Welcome to Serially Hooked, House of the Dragon, the podcast where nope. Oh god damn it. <laughs> not again. Uh, okay, no, this is not happening again. We're gonna get this in, in two. Welcome to Serial Hooked, House of the Dragon, where your hooker is Chris and Rashad, and today we will wed you off to the richest Lannister. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all of our latest info. Let's play the song one more time. Nice pulls. Nice pulls. How did you? What do you think about this episode? I like this episode. Uh, I thought I was. I was a little bit. I actually really liked the stuff that were happening in the hunt. I was a little bit disappointed by the crap eater subplot. It's kind of funny that like the the thing with the dragons in the battle was the thing that was a little bit disappointing, and the, just like the people talking in rooms was more interesting to me. I'm starting <laughs> to like Viserys a little bit more, and ter- not like him, but. Like is like Patty Constantine's performance more and more every single week. Uh, so yeah, it's just like generally, I I enjoy the episode. It's entertaining. Um, I'm having fun watching the show. It's I don't really have any hot takes uh, coming after this episode. <laughs> well, that's a that's a weekly hook first, everyone, or serially hooked first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel the same way. I. I enjoyed just the action part of it at the very end, but it also felt kind of tacked on. You know, it's like, okay, we have to show, show like a, a proper action scene, not just somebody being attacked by a boar. We'll see that. Uh, we'll talk about that. At, yeah, at yeah, the I end. Know. yeah. Spoiler alert, it's one of my four uh, scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we have another time jump. How do you feel about that? I think I'm starting to orient myself into the what seems now to be a weekly time jump. I wonder how far they're going to push this, but it it seems like the the show is finding its rhythm within this space of time jumps. And I know it's only been three episodes, but I'm starting to be like, okay, this is fine. Like I, I don't mind this because it's it's interesting because we get like a new cast, not a cast of characters, a couple of new characters every week, and you know it, it's interesting now that we have. Aegon the second, I guess, uh, born. And I wonder, you know, obviously the whole question of this episode is who's going to be heir now that Aegon's born. But I think it's a really interesting setup for a show that we really haven't seen something like this before. What do you mean? We haven't seen something like this before? A show that jumps in time, three, six months, uh, three uh, years every week. That just yeah. like is within the grand scheme of things uh, there, the thing is there are sad things that we missed or that you know i missed i would have loved to see the wedding and i would have loved to see like rainier as a reaction and their 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 friendship falling apart because obviously by three years from now what we see now is that they're not friends anymore at all so it's really just interesting to see i would love to kind of track them more but for what they're trying to do i think they're doing it well if that makes sense. It, wa- it wasn't one of these like, you know, oh, this and this happened, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the wedding happened three years ago. The Aegon was born two years ago. So we have a clear timeline that is que- clearly established through dialogue. That was nice and not in a way that was too obvious. I like that. Like a title card three years later. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, I agree. I would have liked some more scenes between Alicent and Rhaenyra about their 
relationship changing, but I can also see why they didn't do it. And it's just, it's just very clear where all parties stand now. So that was just very clearly communicated. Let's put it that way. And yeah, this, this episode does a lot of, you know, thematic work. It really narrow you know it's always focusing on a few topics and there are some overarching ones for sure that we've had in all of the episodes so far but also some that are specific to the episode and yeah as you mentioned the entire question of who's going to be heir what's going to be with Rhaenyra with uh, you know marrying her off and everything and yeah uh, it's very interesting for sure and I feel like the the, one of the few things as well that was also glossed over was the whole, as you mentioned, the whole crab feeder thing where we don't really see, we do see that there is a conflict within the troops uh, when we see Carlos and his brother or his uncle. I don't, I'm, I don't remember. Um, I think it's his brother. Yeah. You know, saying, saying, you know, okay, there are, there are clear fronts and not everybody is fond of Damon. And then Damon shows up and, as a very visceral reaction but yeah that's also something that i would have liked to see more but you know it's fine you can't have everything and it's better to omit something and then just reference it in a good way than show too much um ideally i'd like to i still like i'm just like i want to see more of what's going on in these years but it's you know it is what it is um, I think that the demands of the story just desire, need them to move forward in time and skip things that are that are unnecessary, I guess. <laughs> not as important. Yeah, not as important. I am starting to... Like, the performance by Patty Constantine in this episode is absolutely insane from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I think he's just like... He's killing it. Yeah, he's he's doing it really well. Which is your favorite, like, little moment of patty constantine in this episode i think just we we see i think what we what's interesting is that we see the whole sequence uh, probably of him becoming an alcoholic yeah uh which is you know not the best thing but it's it's nicely done in the sense that that's how it works usually it just creeps up on you and then you laugh it away at first and then it just happens and yeah, it's. I think so. That entire sequence was great. Of course, his his conversation with uh, I think Jason Lannister was great. Um, but I also really, really liked his conversation with Alicent at the at the fire because it was more subdued and more. There was more, I think there was more craft put into it, and yeah, it was it was interesting to watch. Yeah, I don't think we have uh, an instance of him being an alcoholic before this, right? This is the first time no. we get this sense, right? Which is so interesting because he has what he kind of wants. He has this male heir, but that's also something that he grapples with as he talks about. But also, obviously, his um, he still has worries you know, Rhaenyra and Damon, his family uh, is, is is definitely part of his worries and the demands of his job. And yes, so I think I think that that is just very. If you strip away that he is the king, you know, it it kind of makes sense. Um, and yeah, we 
that that's why I was worried when they were mentioning that they're going on to a hunt. And I thought, oh, we've seen someone drunk on a hunt before. That didn't end well for that person. What is happening? Yeah, but this really wasn't a hunt. Like, it's just Not like, really. yeah, I th think Robert actually hunted versus yeah. this guy. He's just like, we're going to tie down this deer. <laughs> we're going to talk about that later as well, because that's one of my scenes. All right, cool. So, I mean, I think that like his family going, you know, driving him mad speaks to what Lionel Strong tells him. And he's telling him that, you know, even Jaharis struggled so much with his family. And yeah. It's not abnormal for you to do this. And, and speaking of Lionel Strong, I think he like I love him so much at this point. Like yeah. he's such a freaking he's awesome so good. Character. I think he is the one council member who actually sort of speaks truth to power, or not not necessarily speaks truth to power, but actually gives his opinion without much of a an agenda for himself. Oh, he's the one council member who like honestly counsels. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, it's quite uh, nice. Otto and Corliss were just there to further their own agenda, and the others just liked being in power. But he's the only uh, the only one who gives sound advice. Oh yeah, of course. It's I mean, yeah, I gotta love Lionel Strong. He's creeping up my favorite uh, character list for sure. Mm. This, this metaphorical list. Um, and I mean, <laughs> speaking of characters I do not like, Otto had and he you know when he proposes this idea of Rhaenyra marrying Aegon. I was yeah. just like, it actually is a good idea. It's actually a good <laughs> idea. But in a classic Otto, even his only his one good idea, he's like, it's stupid to bring it up at that point. Like he can't yeah. read the room, you know? And it's also like, just wait a couple of years. Like it, it's like at this point. I was honestly half expecting expecting him to propose himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how can I even further establish myself here? Uh, which oh, would be, you know, <laughs> uh, so, so that proposal kind of, I didn't see that one coming. But yeah, knowing the history of the Targaryens makes sense. The one thing I liked about this episode in relation to Otto is when he actually gets pressure from his father to, you know, push up Aegon even closer so like he gets told you must make the king see reason to make Aegon the heir basically oh you mean when he talks to Alicent oh no, no no sorry he says that to Alicent but someone else says something similar to him earlier on in the mm. episode where yeah. he's like uh basically it's your duty to you know it's a, I think it's his father or his older brother mm -hmm. or something I think it's his older brother actually because he is a second son but one or the other they kind of push him to prop up Aegon even further at the beginning of the episode and then you can see Otto maneuvering later on in the middle of the episode and then obviously he speaks to Allison. so you can see how this assholeness of the high towers goes from generation to generation even though Allison's great I love Allison, <laughs> but Otto yeah. and her brother his older brother or father whoever that guy was I really should look this up before we uh, talk but um, <laughs> he he went unnamed in the episode so how am I supposed to know Uh, but yeah, so I thought that was a really interesting window into the pressures that Otto feels because, you know, I love to hate Otto, but, you know, sometimes it's good to kind of understand where the people you hate come from. Yeah, everybody has a family that fucked them up. Yep. It's basically the gist of it. And so with that, do you want to get into favorite moments? No, one more thing. Of course. Um, so Rainier, I'm starting to, I'm liking Rainier more and more with each episode. Yeah. I think she's like she's the she's a freaking killer 
literally, uh, literally <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> but I, I, she complains. One thing, not complaints about Rhaenyra, I guess, advice. That, something that frustrates me about her, like in her cementing of her power, is that she tends to be quite pouty in this episode, or she comes across a little pouty, being like, oh, they're never going to love me. They're never going to accept me. But she also doesn't participate in anything and doesn't kind of actively seek the limelight. And, well, I understand that if she were male, this wouldn't be an issue at all. But I think the way for her to go about finding that acceptance and finding, you know, the strength, uh, finding people's loyalty is to demonstrate her strength and be there in the public face and play the game like Allison wants her to or wanted her to because but she refuses to play the game because she's you know strong-headed and that's what I love about her but I think that's to her detriment yeah I'm sure that that that's partly you know her as you said unwillingness the entire message that she's received all her life that all that counts are male heirs so um yeah it's interesting though what you mentioned that she kind of doesn't even try. Maybe there were some attempts in the past that we just don't see, but I don't think so. And yeah, I think she just, I don't know. She's kind of Daenerys style. She, you know, my way or the highway. Yeah, that's a good comp, Rhaenyra and Daenerys, I guess, two kind of people trying to kind of remake the system to a certain extent. Mm. And yeah, I think Rhaenyra is just like, I think that if she were within it a little bit more, I think her personality also doesn't, potentially work well for becoming ruler against all odds right i mean acknowledging that she has to work twice as hard just to keep people's attention if she were more of the personality who kind of engages with the social aspect of life and acknowledges and leans into it potentially it could be better for her but i just feel bad for her because i i freaking love her and i want to see her on the iron throne so uh, i mean it, it's exciting to see what happens next hmm now I'm ready so, to do the four scenes. Yeah, yeah, good. I, I was just thinking, do I do it a second time or do I just surrender? <laughs> like Renares is like, ah, oh, fuck all of this. <laughs> no, so what's, what's your first scene that you want to talk about? I was going to talk about the boar killing scene first, speaking of Renera. And that's kind of juxtaposed with her father's kill as well. Yeah. Okay. Because you can see these kills basically back to back where mm-hmm. Rhaenyra has her super violent like oh I'm gonna kill like in self-defense and I'm going to like let out all my frustration and ferocity in this moment while I'm like destroying this boar and she comes in and with all the blood on her as opposed to her father who kind of has a very staged constructed hunt basically and it's it's really pathetic moment there he's obviously drunk and he can't hit it and then like the sad clapping afterwards as people are just like okay he finally got it yay (laughs) clap 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 and when he's like chilling after the kill i don't know at the table eating or whatever and she rolls up all covered in blood actually looking like she hunted like she looks so freaking awesome in that moment such a mic drop moment yeah and it's it's just she's so cool and i mean Kristen Cole, come on, man. Like, you're going to let a boar just, like, fuck you up like that? It's fine. He gets back up and stabs the boar to, to save Rhaenyra. Yeah. But it's just... I mean, wild boars, they're ferocious, though. I mean, I'm fucking... I don't know. <laughs> and if they, if they... Like, it had... It already had, like, the forward momentum, you know? And if something storms up onto you and hits you in, you know, lower than your, your point, uh, like, your center of gravity, that can that can definitely like make you fall 
The man's a knight of the king's guard. He should be one of the best yeah. like knights in the entire realm. That doesn't bode well for the realm, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also I chose not the boar scene though. I, I was close to doing it, but the uh, yeah the fake hunting of Viserys because I thought it was a great it was a great metaphor for all the courtly behavior and how performative everything is and how you know every certain things must be done everybody knows it but that doesn't mean it has you know people can't be you know assisted in a way like the way this is staged here is like obviously the stag is bound by like four hunters and uh Viserys gets very direct instructions on where to kill the stag it's like a little to the like, left <laughs> yeah, yeah a little to the left yes uh and I think yeah, that was just for me. It was just a great comparison to the uh, you know life at court and being a king and in a ceremonial role, and kind of what his public persona is like as well. You can sense the exhaustion on his face as he rolls up, yeah. being like, "God, this is so annoying. It's so performative. I hate this. Like, I don't want to be doing this." He's also drunk, so he's like, "Oh shit, how am I going to do this without looking bad?" And he does look bad, and the look of disappointment yeah. on his face as he goes to the kill it's just he's not having any fun with this no and he doesn't want to do it uh, he doesn't want he knows he's just killing this animal for no reason other than its symbolic meaning yeah that's why he closes his eyes uh probably also because he hasn't been killing a lot he doesn't have that much battlefield experience in the la- like ever since ascending the throne i suppose so uh you know that there's that as well or period uh, with- he might not have any battle experience because he yeah. was raised in a time of peace yeah, exactly. So, which which is in direct opposition to his brother, and I'm gonna venture a guess, maybe also his daughter, who is gonna be more hands on than he is. And yeah, so that that was just like it told you so much about his position as king. So I, I like that a lot. A lot. I, I had the my first one in terms of, um, let's say. So the first scene I would want to talk about in terms of like chronologically was the scene where Otto proposes marriage between Aegon and Rhaenyra because this is, we see a lot of proposals. This one, as I mentioned earlier, was just caught me off guard, immediately made sense, but also is like, oh, the guy is too, like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? How's that going to work? Yeah. But yeah, as you as you said, that would would have solved all the problems at once. I'm not sure how everybody feels about incest here, uh, but everyone's fine with it at this point. It's expected. Like even okay. like when they're like when Lionel Strong's even like, oh, he should marry. She should marry whatever. Or like L- Lenore Valarian. It's like, oh, they share blood. Yeah. Like you know, like this idea of incest is a positive thing within the, La- the not the Lannisters, but the Targaryens. I guess uh, and some <laughs> Lannisters <laughs> too, <laughs> kind of as well, which is probably where the Lannisters got it from. Or it's just those two people. I think it's just those two. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but that's what they where they. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they just love each other. I don't know. I mean, so so like officially, so um, it was so the Faith Militant arise arise arose during the reign of Magor the Cruel and he fought a long bloody war against them and a large part of their reasoning for the Faith Militant was incest and it was after Jaehaerys came into power that he signed an edict with the they signed I forget the exact word what they called it but basically it was a religious exemption for the Targaryens to be able Mm -hmm. to have 
incest. So incest is illegal in the realm, except for Targaryens. And the rationality is that they don't lose their dragon riding, basically. I so see. there is okay. so in terms of the realm's perspective of incest, it's expected within the Targaryens, but outside of it, it is um, not ideal. Yeah, I would still say there is a difference between maybe marrying someone who's like distantly related to you than your literal sibling. But uh, I don't know how how far away the two fa families are. But uh... oh, I mean, they're cousins because her aunt is the oh right right. <laughs> Also, I mean, uh, Viserys' wife, uh, uh, Emma, Queen Emma was his sister. So, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. It's just all kind of like incest. Is, I mean, Aegon married his two wives, his two sisters. Um, mm. it, it's quite common uh, throughout the, okay, there you go. the the world. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So, what's your second uh, scene? So, my second scene is. Um, the the scene in the godswood when Rhaenys, or Rhaenyra is at, like demanding that the bard play music over and over <laughs> and over again and yeah. Alicent walks in i think that just i want to talk about that scene largely because of the breakdown of their friendship because the last time we did see them together was i guess alone was at the sept when they were so close and now 3 years later they're so cold to each other and basically using authority to battle it's just kind of like get people get each other to do things and especially from allison's perspective now that she has ultimate authority over rhaenyra so it's a really tough position i also really felt for the bard where he's like rhaenyra rhaenyra's <laughs> like the princess commands it and he's like the queen commands it and i'm just like oh man poor guy <laughs> stuck in the middle yeah. there he doesn't know what to do <laughs> um, but also like let the guy play you guys can talk over like some nice background music that's fine like come on allison mm. but no in the end I, I just i liked it as a reflection of where their where their relationship is now how far they've fallen. It's also kind of a reflection of what I mentioned, like I would like have to have seen more, meaning the their the actual breakdown of the relationship to get where we are now. But I, I just, you know, really like it. And it's kind of ironic that in the first episode we saw Allison being the one who wants to read and Rhaenyra kind of tearing up the book. And now yeah. you have Rhaenyra sitting in the godswood reading by herself. So it's on the one hand, Rhaenyra is still just chilling by herself, just like she was when she, she would do with Alison when she was a kid. But now she's the one reading and learning and trying to kind of improve herself, I guess. Which is also somewhat of a Tyrion mentality, where if you're an outsider, you got to be smarter than everybody else. So I, I see, I see parallels there. Cripples, bastards, and broken or bastards, dwarves, and broken, and broken things, or whatever people, it was yeah. called. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's like a, the most famous Game of Thrones title name. Ah, oh, I forget it. <laughs> so bad at this. That's okay. Oh, it is cripples, bastards, and broken broken things. I got it right. Whew. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we've already talked about my third scene as well, which is, or rather, mentioned it is the scene in which Otto and Alicent talk, which they also in the very beginning talk very much on this formal level of "Oh, your highness" and blah blah blah, but um. Yeah, I mean, Otto just clearly is, uh, you know, is uttering Rhaenyra's worst nightmares uh, because he says uh, if Rhaenyra stepped over Aegon, and I think, you know, stepped over Aegon, which is interesting because she was appointed heir, 
No, he says the realm would tear itself apart, that Alison's son is the future of the realm and that she must guide the king. And I just thought that that was a, that was an interesting, you know, not just for that reason, you know, you see all of these things put into speech. Somebody is clearly taking the position of no, it is a male primogenitor and that's how it's always been and every, otherwise there's going to be a civil war and it's not going to happen um but it's also interest it was also interesting to me because it clearly shows that what has not happened in the last three years is that Alison has emancipated herself from her father who is also really good at manipulating her because he's talking about the good of the realm he's talking about oh think about viserys and so it was interesting from a power perspective on multiple levels for me, on a more personal level, but also on a grand in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, just his rhetoric was, um, as I said, Rhaenyra's worst nightmare. Yeah, I really, you know, their relationship is fascinating to me as Otto uses her for his own gain or the, the you know, the gain of his house. And, you know, I, I just, I just like I oh, don't fuck him really. Just I, I, yeah. I, it's 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 a great performance to be fair, uh, but a character that I'm starting to like even less. <laughs> um, as you know. Okay, but- so so question: Otto, Joffrey, and Ramsay. I mean, Otto's the least bad of them, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. He's not literally torturing animals or people. So are you asking me like that. Mary fuck kill Joffrey Ramsey <laughs> Otto? The, I mean, sure. Now I'm asking you. <laughs> I was thinking about it, but then but then I thought, no, I'm not gonna do it. But since you mentioned it, sure, Mary fuck kill. Let's do this. <laughs> I think I'm definitely marrying Otto because he's the less least likely one to kill me <laughs> in my yeah. sleep. Um, especially or torture me. I'm probably like I feel like I would I think I just have to. You're gonna have to answer this too. Kill Ramsey because he's like he's more manipulative and smarter. I guess I feel like Joffrey you can manipulate to, especially mm. just for a night. <laughs> and yeah, that's my answer. I guess. Okay. Yeah, mine is uh, marry Otto because he's the least bad. Uh, fuck uh, Ramsey because he seems to be the better shag than uh, than Joffrey and kill Joffrey. I'm just trying to look out for my own head. I'm not like, (laughs) I just don't want to die here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So what's your third scene? Uh, My third scene now is the end battle sequence where, Mm. um, and also like the lead up to it a little bit where you get the emissary from the king and Damon's like, oh, fuck that. I don't care about the king. I don't want help. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to hero ball this against an entire army and just go attack. Uh, And, I found it. I found the battle sequence actually a little disappointing. It's cool to see Lenore mm-hmm. riding Sea uh, Smoke is the name of his dragon, but it's. I found the choreography a little bit strange in terms of like I would have liked to see where the army was a little bit more or the planning or something. I feel like the while the fog in the last episode worked really well, I think the fog in this episode limited the scope of the battle and made me feel a little bit too claustrophobic and i would have liked to see it a little bit more and also like how does that work but i i really like how the whole battle sequence is built off of damon's 
unwillingness to accept help from his brother and him getting extremely angry at the the emissary and just realizing that he has to do something drastic to win the win the war or win the battle or win the fight really quickly so i I'm like, you know, the crab feeder, also the crab feeder dying off screen was a little bit annoying as well. I would have yeah. liked to see that fight there, but I, I guess it makes sense that it it's not really a challenge if it's Damon kind of coming into it. But I don't know. Uh, there's mm. like a few things that are nitpicky about the battle sequence, but I do really love it with regards to Damon's character growth. And that's cool. It's cool to see a battle sequence that really isn't about the battle. It's about the character. Yeah, I I liked it overall as well. I had I f- I found it a little bit disorienting, especially the overhead shots where that were supposed to establish where is everyone, but I never, you know, where where is like the you know Damon's army or rather Corliss's army. It was never clear to me until the very end. Um, and who belongs to which side, kind of, because there were at some point there were like people in three different types of clothing uh and so for for a hot second i was a little bit surprised there and confused yeah i was i was not sure what was going on with the white flag there whether he was actually going to make you know my enemy's enemy is my friend sort of thing he's there to parlay that was an interesting thing i mean i was 95 percent sure he's gonna kill people but there was a part of me who, who was like oh maybe maybe i could see that and also there was a very un-Game of Thronesy scene here in which, at least in the, for the longest time, about 50 arrows didn't hit Damon. Until three of them did, for sure, but that, it was just ridiculous. It was like Lord of the Rings style where all of the, or like fantasy tropey style where all of the arrows missed the heroes. Yeah, it should have been like one slowly and then they eventually got the three. You know, like you don't yeah, have to exactly. like hit them all three at once. <laughs> Yeah, because the first three volleys, they all miss him completely. And that's just, no, that's not how that works. And then three at once is weird. I liked it, but yeah, I also found it lacking a little bit. Well, I mean, he can zigzag better than uh, Rickon Stark, apparently. <laughs> I mean, that's not difficult. I mean, Rickon was not the brightest bulb. <laughs> um, also, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I, I'm not a fan of the new dragon design that's much more elongated. That's just a thinner. specific dragon. That's just only uh, one. That is Caraxes. He's known for being worm-like. No, but, but um, I think Damon's and, and Rhaenyra's dragons are very similar. Really? They look so different. Yeah. Cyrax looks so different to me than... Uh, they look different, but they're very, very much like you know elongated in the sense, uh, just in comparison to the three that we see in Game of Thrones. So, huh, that's interesting you say that because I didn't get that with at least Sea Smoke that we saw this episode. Oh no, definitely with all of them, all of them. I was I that's I I wanted to mention that in the previous two episodes, but never did. Okay, so cool. This time I was like, I'm going to mention this. So my last scene is. The conversation, the last conversation between Rhaenyra and Viserys. Same. So good. Uh, we see. I mean, not unsurprisingly, Viserys is very different from Tywin in, in many ways. Um, but he also does not want to command his daughter, and he ends up telling her to marry, but to find her match herself. And that's gonna end well. 
that's gonna yeah it's gonna be great she's just gonna be you know unmarried and always just gonna be saying yeah 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 yeah. i'm gonna marry it with somebody i just haven't found anyone yet <laughs> no of course i'm sure there's gonna be a time limit but i i like that scene because it's kind of building up we have all of this pressure we have more hostile scenes between them previously with a lot of emotions and this one we have a good back and forth and probably my fa- favorite part is that Rhaenyra points out that with all of all the talk with Viserys from Viserys about the bloodline and keeping you know family which is kind of Tywin talk uh Rhaenyra says that marrying Alicent wasn't for duty uh marrying uh Lady Lena would have been and I thought that that was just yep that's hits the nail on the head it's definitely Viserys not living up to his own standards as you do I think that's the nail in the coffin in terms of letting him you know convincing him that she should marry for love or whatever maybe as opposed to duty but yeah I mean I just really like that scene just I the performance is amazing his pledge to her like legitimately felt so sincere and genuine mm-hmm. in that moment. I feel like Viserys is so easily manipulated though that I don't think that's going to last in terms of like <laughs> maybe it will, maybe it won't because he's also headstrong in terms of mm-hmm. everyone was telling him to marry Lena but he's like, "Nah, I'm going to marry Alison." So, we don't know what how Viserys is going to react to the pressures of making this decision because for all intents and purposes, this is the wrong decision from a political mm-hmm. perspective he needs to you know it's better to make rainera understand what's going on and why she has to do what she has to do etc cetera, etc cetera. but clearly that's not the case here so instead of involving her in the decision making letting her go and do her own thing is not really the smartest move here but you know it's nice because a father wants to care for his daughter and he keeps saying her he wants her to, he keeps saying that he wants her to be happy but he himself is not happy on the Iron Throne. So how is she ever? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how is she going to be happy if she doesn't have an example of how happiness can be achieved? Yeah. And I think that's exactly kind of the point of like the Iron Throne and heirs and all of that, because he makes it clear or he tries to make it clear that he hasn't changed his opinion, that Rhaenyra is his heir and always will be. But I feel like... He should make a bigger point of that, not just to one person when he's drunk. Especially because when he's, t- he's talking to Alicent, he is still talking about, oh, he's always wanted a male heir. He's got this vision. When he was younger and he has, you know, he has sacrificed his first wife, who he by all accounts loved, uh, for that. And I think he he might actually actually believe right now that. He wants Rhaenyra to be his heir, but I think the more Aegon grows up, the more he's going to change his mind and maybe outside influences will just affirm that. Yeah, I was half expecting him to, at that moment where he was like commanding, oh, Rhaenyra is my heir in the hunt to stand up and tell everyone like, Rhaenyra is my fucking heir, everybody. Like, you know, I don't know, in a drunken rant or whatever, but, you know, he didn't even have the courage to do that. Exactly. And that's kind of where he he is just not as forceful as other people who we have seen on a similar show where people might have even lost their lives as a show of force and yeah i don't know it's 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 just 
you know, a very distinct is a clear distinction for him. Like that he he is just not like other people who are willing to do what it takes to get that last, you know, that last five percent to actually, you know, be feared as well. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's all I have to say about this episode, I think, at this point. <laughs> all right. Oh, one thing that I would like to add is that like it I'm really starting to miss humor because there's no fun in this show it feels it just kind of feels it's not a bad thing whatever it's just it feels like it's missing something and i want a funny character something interesting somewhere Mm. to bring some levity into the atmosphere of the show which is kind of missing up until this point yeah it's true yeah there's no real levity it's true not nothing to i felt like this episode particularly was quite dreary like kind of dark and moody and yeah, I think yeah, we haven't had any like jovial character, no no like breaking the tension sort of moments really. Yeah. Uh maybe maybe I hope we'll get that in the future. Maybe Aegon's gonna be a prankster, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. That'd be cute. <laughs> All right, I guess with that said, do you have any last thoughts, Chris? No, I'm just curious where things are going. It's um anything you're expecting or wanting to see moving forward? I want. I want. I just wonder what the timeline's going to be with um with the decision of who Rhaenyra is going to marry. Um, I feel like there's there is a thing between her and Kristen Cole hinted at quite uh, quite clearly that maybe they're going to have a tryst of some sort or they're going to be uh, maybe you know t- tempted. And I don't know. I think it's it's just you know all of these relationships how they're going to evolve. How is um, you know Viserys dealing with his drinking problem? How is Alison dealing with all of this, all of the um, different moves, and what happens when the uh, the aid from King's Landing arrives and the battle is already won? I'm interested to see like how far are we going to jump in time again? <laughs> like, yes, are we going to stay the same? Are we going to jump another three years? I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen here. So, I, at this point, it's really hard to have expectations when you don't know where you're going to be set. Yeah, which is kind of cool. It's like a new show every week, but it's also disorienting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eventually they they probably have to change some actors around, especially for the younger ones. Yeah, if they decide to keep jumping every like two, three years every week. Yeah, exactly. Eventually, she's going to be thirty, and I don't think this actress can pull that off. Well, eventually, we're going to have to like settle down because you can't do five seasons of this jumping much no it's true so i guess we'll find out where they decide to settle and we're here for that all right i guess with that said thank you guys so much for listening if you've enjoyed the show give us a you know the maximum amount of rating units at your podcast uh, platform of choice (laughs) uh for chris i'm rashad and we'll talk to you next time bye